Welcome to the Digital Workflow Dentistry Podcast Series. We help dentists adapt, adopt, and advance in the world of dental technology. For more information about upcoming lectures, webinars, and podcasts, please go to our website, www.digitalworkflowdentist.com, at Instagram, at Digital Workflow Dentistry. Good afternoon, dental internet world. My name is Dr. Vishal Sharma, and I'm once again here alongside my friend and colleague, Dr. Mike Parchewski. Mike, uh, I know you just got your COVID vaccine, and one of the side effects is feeling hot and feverish, and that is fitting because today we're going to be in the hot seat and we'll be interviewed by one of our colleagues, Anthony Denunzio. We're going to be talking about digital technology and case acceptance. Thanks, Vish, and welcome, everybody, and welcome to you, Anthony. Um, so today, um, we are going to flip the script and we are going to be in the hot seat, as Vish has mentioned. Um, so where this came from is there's been a lot of questions in regards to our digital workflows and how patients, how it relates to new patients and how it relates to case acceptance. And that seems to be one of the hottest topics. And so we were approached by, uh, Anthony to, um, interview us and find out how we use the digital technology to improve our case acceptance. So I'll turn that over to you, Anthony, and uh, we'll get we'll get going. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, thanks for letting me join you guys again. Uh, it was a great time last time. So I think uh, I think we've got uh, some really good questions here. And ultimately, you know, I want you guys to, you know, share how, you know, the journey has been for you with technology. I know you guys have, have uh, you know, started with one and then integrated the next and the next. And so really just want to understand your journey in technology and how it's impacted the practice overall, how it's impacted your patient's perspective, um, and also, you know, kind of how it's impacted the team. But I guess, uh, you know, maybe you covered this like early on in the podcast, but I don't remember uh, hearing about it. So I guess the first thing I'm curious about is this podcast in general, like what motivated you guys to, to start a podcast? I can jump in on this one, Mike. So initially, Anthony, Mike and I had some um, courses scheduled, some hands-on implantology uh, seminars and we were going to be building out a educational platform and initially the podcast was intended to support those people who had attended the seminars to add some color and further information to the initial um, base information from the course uh, obviously COVID happened and so some of those courses were cancelled a few of them have not yet even been rescheduled uh, so we decided to have a podcast but it was sort of backwards rather than talking about technology for people who already had a significant basis of that technological understanding because they'd sat through a course with us. We went the other way and decided to just talk about it for people maybe who had not had that opportunity yet. So that was the genesis of it. And, um, you know, we're just, uh, we're just waiting for a better job right now. Just working away in the miners here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think you guys are doing pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. So, um, well, the other, the other question I have is, uh, you know, knowing where both your clinics are, you guys are virtually like right down the hall from each other. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit about how, um, that's impacted you guys working together or, or has it not impacted? Maybe it's strengthened your relationship. Just tell us about that dynamic, just really being down the hall from each other, if you will. Well, um, it's been great because a couple things, it's easy for us to get together and brainstorm. It's easy for us to um, do the podcast. And, um, you know, what, what works great in my whole philosophy on the technology and 
one of the reasons why I've gotten so, you know, so heavy into this is sharing knowledge and sharing resources. And, and that's one of the things that drove us into the podcast. So for example, um, you know, if I've got an issue or I've got something where I'm missing a block or I, I need something uh, scanned or if I'm having an issue with the software or something, um, I'll, I can shoot a patient over to his office or vice versa, or we can send a case um, to his clinic. So it's really nice to be able to share, you know, share the digital technology and know that you've got somebody close by with, with the technology. Um, or if I'm away or on holidays, it's been nice too, because if we've got somebody that needs a, uh, an emergency or something, it's nice to have somebody close by that I know is going to be delivering um, a similar level of care. Yeah, yeah, I, I echo that actually with the uh, sleep medicine or sleep dentistry that we offer within our practice. It's all collaborated with Mike. We utilize uh, a few of his pieces of equipment for that. Uh, the team has been really good working together. You know, if a surgical block is uh, missing uh, or someone forgot to order it, we don't have to text you and ask you for one. And Mike, I don't even know how many times back and forth we've sent a message requesting a block that, uh, in a shade that we didn't have. So no, it's been great from that aspect. The two practices that I work out of, uh, strangely enough, Mike is equidistant between the two. But it's interesting when you're in a downtown setting and there's so many people working in these buildings People are not really willing to travel more than two or three buildings over typically. So the the um, cannibalization of the patient base is almost non-existent, although there's not really any patients downtown right now. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. so. But I think the perception a lot of times is, is, is your competitors, but you really haven't found that to be the case. No, I, I think it would be different if we were in a suburban setting in a strip mall and you were on one side of the strip mall by the Starbucks and I was on the other side by the second cup. Yeah. But just with the population base around here, there's way more patients than, than we can uh, manage. It's just a question of whether or not you can entice those people who work downtown to actually come to a downtown dental office. For sure. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. That's all. That's awesome to hear. I mean, it's really nice to see that you guys can play off each other and, you know, help each other out. So that's a, that's a good there, There'll be boxing gloves coming out later, but that's, <laughs> you know, we, we probably should have, uh, combined our practices before you expanded and renovated and I did the same just shortly before that. Now we've got all this extra space. Like Mike's got his micro machine uh, set uh, over there and I've got a mini sticks uh, set up in some of my <laughs> empty operatories. But no, it's it's been a great collaboration and the proximity is, uh, it's had a lot of advantages for sure. Yeah. The extra space is just for the uh, very optimistic future. So That's, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of future, um, I mean, hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll be able to start traveling again a little more freely. So I'm curious, you know, uh, where's the first place that you're going to go when you can just travel anywhere you want, no restrictions, where's, where's the first place you're going to go? Well, Mike, I'm sure knows where I'm going to go, so I'll leave this answer to you. Yeah, I'll I'll just say Vegas and Vegas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. Both of you, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and hopefully it's for Densplice Serona World, but it's just in terms of the restaurant quality, the ease of uh, flying down there from, from the West. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's quite different if obviously you're in the East Coast. But for us, you know, similar time zone, two and a half hour flight. Uh, it's an easy trip and a lot of fun. Yeah. And of course the golf. Of course yeah, the golf. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I guess the next topic I, I am curious about is just, you know, your general philosophy around, you know, why and how you built your practice. I mean, both of you have very, very much built a successful practice centered around technology. So maybe you can each tell us how you got to that point. Like what, what inspired you to build uh, such beautiful clinics around technology? 
It's probably, there's probably two different reasons. And, you know, maybe I'll uh, take a guess as to why Mike did it. And I think for Mike, it was probably treatment based. He's got a very, very strong knowledge base on implantology far before, far before digital dentistry was really at the forefront of what we did. He had a very specific interest in dental sleep medicine as well. So I would bet that the technology came out of a necessity uh, for improving the services that you were already offering with your surgical skill set and for sleep. For me, it was a bit different in that, you know, we went, uh, when I acquired my first practice and we were looking to brand it, I very quickly saw that branding yourself in a marketing aspect, I didn't ever feel that it was a good long-term approach, especially if you wanted to have a number of associates and be able to grow your practice. Uh, you know, having uh, Mike Parchewski smiles is is tough to transfer when your name is Vishal Sharma, for yeah. example. <laughs> There's not a lot of carryover there. So for us, it was, okay, everyone loves their dentist. Uh, everyone's got a great dentist. But how do we really differentiate ourselves from um, other people? And just dipping our toe in technology, I very, very quickly realized that that was the way to do it. And then it gravitated or, or um, changed from there, Anthony, we started really just doing the type of dentistry that I would want to have done if I was a patient in our practice. And technology was something that as a consumer, I would really appreciate. So that's kind of what, what led me to, to that journey. And Mike, sorry for answering for you, but uh, that's sort of what I would see would be what led you to this journey. Yeah, no, you're bang on there. I agree with that. So, that, I mean, that's uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, that's two very different philosophies mm-hmm. though like mike yours yours would be more procedural based and mm-hmm. michelle's yours was more of a differentiator yeah once upon yeah. a time for sure like obviously yeah. it's evolved and changed back sure. then yeah. but if i was to make a the conscientious decision to look into that for mike it would have been like hey i can do these implants more predictably yeah. mm-hmm. for me it's like you know how do we differentiate ourselves from the the basic drill and fill dental dental practice so yeah, yeah. okay Cool. So, I mean, uh, I mean, you if you had to do it all over again, is there something that each of you would change about how you did it? Um, I would say it would be nice to get to where you're going faster, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, but not really. I think you know, there's always been the driver in my mind. If if something can be done better, then I wanna I wanna do it that way. And if I see something, uh, I like to learn from from my peers and. You know, I never, I'm never in a situation where I think I know it all and there's always somebody, there's always something, you know, like, um, you know, we've got a great colleague of ours, uh, Dr. Desi, who's, you know, one of the more knowledgeable guys on zirconia and materials. Um, you know, we had a, a, a tough case today. We actually sent over to his clinic to get milled on a zirconia case. So, you know, it's, um, it's using the people, you know, uh, you can't be an expert at everything. So, you know, just surround yourself with people, uh, that are, are great at, at it. And, um, so I think, you know, um, I'm pretty happy with the road I took. Um, and it's just every time you, you run into somebody at a conference, you learn something new that somebody's doing. We had a guy, um, you know, Josh that we, we interviewed that's doing fabulous, like revolutionary stuff on the 3d printing side. Yeah. So everybody you talk to, you learn a little bit. And, and I think it's, you know, I, all I would say to anybody who's getting into this is, um, never stop learning and, uh, just try to surround yourself with people that are, are doing it the ways that you want to do it and, and prepare yourself, uh, and give yourself self space in your clinic for the stuff. Yeah, that's the, yeah, the, uh, the physical footprint is a good one because as technology has progressed, like even with your nice spacious operatories, 
uh, you always add an extra toy at some point, Anthony, right? Yeah, so, sure. you know, I, I echo all of those points. I think the main aspect for me was a commitment to expensive continued education. Uh, there's a correlation, I think, between that commitment and obviously uh, how you can expand your clinical skill set. It's not to say that spending more makes you a better dentist, but as soon as I stopped concerning myself with the cost of CE or how many points were needed every two years and just this is the information I need, this is what I want to learn, I think that really uh, catapulted my dental career. And you know, further to sort of what you were saying, we are discussing Dr. Dacey, and, and there's a lot of other people that um, really you can uh, try to measure yourself against, not from a competitive aspect, but just, you know, okay, so-and-so is doing this. Like, that's fantastic. What do I need to do to get to that point? Mm -hmm. And you can really use that as a positive. You know, in this field, it's really keeping up with the Jetsons. Yep. And I was fortunate coming out of dental school to have a really uh, progressive and energetic cohort. People who were into clear liner therapy or, uh, you know, a very close friend of mine. We did a lot of research on hard tissue lasers before we jumped into that. Uh, we have friends who were doing a lot of smile design or neuromuscular dentistry or, or people going to COIS. So surrounding yourself with that, I think, is really helpful. And then also just investing in that continued education is the key key aspect. Yeah, I agree. Well, you kind of took, uh, you, you took away uh, my next question, but that's really good because, <laughs> because you know, what I'm hearing is that uh, – you know, uh, it, the advice you would give somebody that's looking to get where you are is to to build a really solid network that you can lean on, and uh, and and look to those that are doing it already uh, as a way to fast track the process, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of our goals of this podcast is, um, and 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 everything that we're doing with our education is, you know, goodness knows that I've done um, things backwards and I've taken long roads to get to where I'm going and made a lot of mistakes and spent a lot of money on different CE. So I don't want other dentists to have to go through all those steps. Um, yeah, it's still valuable to do all the courses and to do all that. But if I can, if I can give somebody some training or some education to, so that they can get further ahead faster, I think that's more important. So, and that's one of the foundations of our podcast and our training is sharing what we know so that we can get people involved in this at, at a new grad stage as opposed to them having to go through 10 years before they have a you know digital acquisition unit like let's let's get people going quicker on this stuff and I think, I mean, that the, the, where, you're, where you're positioning your podcast, uh, in my mind, is perfectly aligned with what a lot of dentists are asking for today. A lot of dentists are asking for, you know, how do I get there and how do I get there quicker? You know, and so I think your, your podcast is beautifully aligned with what, 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 uh, what other dentists are asking for. Yeah, it's so. easy because we really just discuss the technology that's been near and dear to our respective practices. And that technology is pretty comparable. In fact, like we could probably cut some costs and just fire one of us and uh, just really have one anchor on this, but it yeah. wouldn't be nearly as much fun. No, no. A solo podcast isn't that much fun. Yeah, no, we I don't, we'd be literally saving pennies on yeah. the dollar. Yeah. <laughs> 
So just kind of moving into the actual, you know, technology, um, you know, uh, and talking about how a dentist uh, can, can get to where you are today a little faster. The questions we get a lot of times are in regard to uh, integration and fit within a clinic. So I guess the next next segment is just going to be more, more about, you know, how to integrate technologies, what are some of the tips and tricks, you know, how do you engage your team? I mean, so I guess one of the really important parts is, you know, we've got this great new technology. So how do I start uh, uh, implementing that into new patient exams, like say CPCT or digital impression or maybe apps? Like how do I start incorporating that into the new patient exams? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, most of the technology that we've both acquired, say, in the last 10 plus years has been treatment based. You know, if you are wanting to do uh, more complex endo, mm -hmm. you're going to need a CBCT with very precise, small field of view. If you're looking to place uh, implants or airway, a CBCT is going to do that. Uh, I think that's changed now because you have CBCTs that do all of that. Uh, and also the digital impression component. Before, if you were to be acquiring a digital scanner, you were either getting it because you wanted to do single visit, crown and bridge, or you were buying um, an iTero scanner because you simply wanted to do Invisalign. You know, now with PrimeScan, even though the uh, genesis of it was Crown and Bridge, we're incorporating it into all of our new patient exams uh, because not only is it great for co-discovery, which is something Mike talks about a lot in his presentations, but it's just a great digital record for us to be able to save perpetually for a patient. There's a phenomenal occlusal gram on there. You can show recession, you can show occlusion, you can show existing restorations. So it takes a new patient exam to a different level. And at least in my eyes, Anthony, that incorporation, it's not specific to the dentistry that you're doing. So before you may buy this piece of technology because you're wanting to specifically do this. Mm -hmm. Now I think the digital impression component works for every dentist. They can start at that point and then it opens up a lot of other avenues. Uh, I'll let you speak to the CBCT aspect on that, Mike. Uh, no, I think you summed it up really well. It, it really is now more encompassing because in the past to do, um, you know, full mouth digital impression, um, it would be a very timely, like, you know, could take you, you know, 15 minutes uh, to 30 minutes to capture the full mouth. Now you can literally do it. You know, I've seen it on some of these courses here, um, these Thrive digital impression courses that are, that are out there that they're doing it in 60 seconds. So I think that's pretty amazing when you can do um, full arch impressions in 60 seconds. It really, you're actually doing it like amazingly in my mind, faster than the setting of a PVS, which, which always blows me away now, you know, because it used to be, you know, I would get people come up to me and say, I saw your lecture. Um, but you know, I can still take a PVS faster than you can scan. You know, now if I run into that person again, I would, I would, I would have the last laugh, I think. Um, but really it's about, I feel, um, the fact that we can use the technology in diagnosis and we can use the technology in low doses um, makes a big difference. Before you were you were only using um, and like an, when it was ICAT was kind of the first thing that came out for CBCT. You were only using that for a pre planning for implants, really, because of the radiation level was quite high. And so if you took one on a patient, you didn't want to be taking multiple. 
now we can do low dose and smaller fields. And so we can do post-op shots and we can do um, images of, of the implant uh, pre and post. And so it's pretty neat that you can do these things with, with very low radiation dose. And again, the speed that we can do things at now um, makes it really a part of, of what we're doing. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say, you know, as we segue into new patient exams is that um, for the biggest thing this, you know, in this last year that I've incorporated with the prime scan is using it in my new, all my new patient exams um, where, you know, somebody, you know, we would used to use like T scan or things like that mm -hmm. to look at the bite points. Yeah. Now the accuracy of the prime scan and the occlusion um, and looking at people's bites is, is just superior to anything else. And it's so accurate uh, that we're using that in all our new patient exams because it's also it's quite fast, right? So I guess uh, just two questions around um, that topic. So um, are low-dose CBCTs becoming part of a, a, a new patient exam um, or, or is that not something you're, you're typically doing? I would say the short answer to that is yes. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, when you're discussing, obviously, Alera is the radio, uh, radiographic principle that all dentists follow. Um, but when you're talking about standard of care and the ability to diagnose and see much more effectively, CBCT vastly is vastly sure. superior to, to a pan. The concern was unnecessarily exposing patients to extra radiation. Now, you know, with your company, uh, their new CBCTs, that low dose aspect, uh, yeah. mitigates all of that. Okay. So I think the short answer is, Yes, and I, I obviously don't have these statistics, but I would be interested to hear how many 2D pans are sold today. I don't have the stats either. I mean, I, I know we they, they are still sold. Okay, uh, but but obviously, 3D is is the topic of choice. You know, when when uh, I would say in any of the new builds, it's the the conversation is 3D if it fits the budget, or at least 2D that's upgradable to 3D. Yeah, for right? sure. So, but well, even the applications down the road on uh, you know how detailed uh, an endo evaluation can be. Uh, we're talking about implants, airway. Mike and I both do some TMJ stuff, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is, if not yet the standard of care, and, and I would gladly make that argument, I think at some point in the very near future, it will become the standard of care. Okay. So maybe maybe when it comes to digital impression, walk, can you maybe walk me through what it looks like? So, you know, uh, the patient walks in for a new patient exam, and then what happens next? Like, I, I don't think either of you are taking the new patient exam digital impression. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But like, what does it look like? Does a team member start it out? And then where do we go from there once we have the scan? What do we pivot to? What do we talk about? So the the way we'd run that is the typically new patient would come in. You know, you do get still like new patients that just come in for consults uh, about specific things. But if you're, if you're you know, Full on new patient comes in. I haven't been to the dentist in 10 years. I'm looking for someone new, just moved to the city and they book this appointment. We're usually booking, um, at least an hour. You know, we, we, hour and a half would be great. It just depends on people's schedules and that. And right now people have a lot more time. So we've been bumping that into an hour and a half. Um, but you know, if you've got your systems down, understand that you can probably do a new patient exam properly in an hour, but give yourself an hour and a half just for the questions and, and for the patient to be able to have time with your team after that. But think about doctor time of about an hour. Okay. And so what are, what the steps would be is our, our assistant would, would bring them in, um, have a quick chat with them. They might do that in the consult room. They might do that in the, in the op and just sort of gauge where their priorities are. 
um, you know, find out, um, you know, if they've got any chief concerns and, and we're following that, you know, sort of normal routine we'd, we'd do with patients. From that, we would have a, a conversation. They would have a brief conversation with me. I might say hi to the patient. But basically what we're doing is we're establishing what do we need for records. Okay. And so at that stage, when that decision's been made, uh, you know, this patient hasn't had anything in a long time, then we're likely going to be taking a, a CBCT. If there's metal or lots of concerns, we'll likely do a standard DEF um, 11 by 10. Okay. okay? If there's no concerns and they haven't had any fillings and, and, you know, it's, we're just really looking at a cursory screen, we will do an eight, uh, an eight by 10 or sorry, 11 by 10, um, low dose. Okay. okay. And then if there's any concerns that we find out on the low dose, we will then, um, take a, a five by five SD of that area. Okay. Then we'll take just your regular, like some bite wings, okay, and maybe a couple PAs of any concerned teeth. And so that's kind of your standard radiology screen. Sure. Um, next, the, the dental assistant will then do um, take intraoral pictures of their mouth, okay. Again, having a discussion with the patient, looking at different things in the teeth, different grooves, defective grooves, things like that, like we all do with the, with the intraoral camera. Then what they'll do is they'll pull out the prime scan and do the do this, the scan of their of their upper and lower arch. Often we'll do that in ortho or we could do it in the regular software as well. Mm -hmm. um, but what we can do from that, if if we're doing it in the ortho software, you know, we if, let's say the patient has some crowding, we can do this treatment simulation in there. So this is all my assistant doing this, okay? So then from the, the scan of the teeth, lots of questions come up. Well, this is pretty cool technology. They're very excited about that. Um, you know, they're, they're very intrigued by their own teeth. Now they're able to see their own teeth on a screen. They've seen pictures of it. And now what we can do is we have a better assessment, not only of their bite, but it'll give us that ortho software will populate their overbite overjet. So it'll populate a lot of the information that we have to put into our, into our exam. And if there's sleep apnea concerns, it does populate it into arched widths and, and lots of those data as well. Uh, classifications, molar classifications, canine classifications. So, that's where we're, we're implementing that right at the get-go. And then I will come in and we'll start having a conversation with the patient. And now we can use the technology in that co-discovery. So now I can pull up pictures of, of their teeth and talk to them about that. I can pull up their CBCT and talk to them about things that we see on there. And I can look through it at the same time that they're looking through it. We can have an airway scan and we can talk about the airway. So everything is already taken in, with the patient involved and in front of the patient. And so now we can have this whole conversation and now we have the time to talk about what's happening in their mouth because we have everything in front of us, right? Yep. I used to say, I mean, we used to say cash is king. I think data is king at this point. And it sounds like the more data that you have when you're doing that new patient exam, just the more impactful it is for, for the patient and then for, for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And anything that you add to that? No, it's it's a pretty similar workflow. There's a few differences, um, but very, very similar to what you're doing. And just to elaborate on that, the, the key aspect for us is obviously the co-discovery component, but we're also reestablishing or establishing if it's the first time we've seen someone baseline data. So the concern from a long-term perspective is deterioration. We all know that teeth don't heal themselves. It's one unique aspect to them uh, relative to the rest of the human body. And life expectancy, for the most part, at least where we are, has gone up. So people are expecting to keep their teeth for their entire lifetime. And this is a conversation I have with patients. So we want to ensure that the deterioration or breakdown is such that they're not going to have problems as they get older. And the prime scan is fantastic for that because you can toggle, you can show their bite, you can show the aerial views as we call it, the occlusal gram. 
we obviously talk about how we can rescan in aura check in the future to see if there's been any change or attrition. And I like that because on occasion you will get a patient who we call it a homeostatic mind frame where they're basically feeling that their dental health is stable, that the concerns that any professional may identify are the same concerns they've had. And because they're deteriorating slowly, where, for example, they don't feel that it's gotten any worse. And, you know, it's our job, obviously, just to educate, to show um, and, and to give solutions. So that's a big part of what we do is the co-discovery and the baseline data. Um, and, uh, you know, the rest is pretty comparable to what Mike's doing. All right. Well, that's uh, that's really good information. Thank you guys for sharing that. Um, so um, I, I guess the next question I would have, because we do get this question a lot as well, or I think maybe more dentists would be interesting in hearing how the technology has really impacted the clinic overall, like the team. Like uh, has it has it impacted the culture of the clinic? Has it impacted um, your team overall? And if so, what's that look like? You know, in our office, there's no doubt that the technology has had a really positive impact, Anthony. And I think it's because when team members buy into what you're doing and respect what you're doing, and it doesn't matter what business or industry you're in, they're going to have more buy-in. It's going to contribute to a positive culture. And as I mentioned before, like one of the building premises for us when we were building the practice and incorporating new tech is, okay, if we were going to a dental office what would we want to have done? Everything from the way that we filled out our intake forms um, digitally to the way people greeted us to private rooms, all of that was, if I'm choosing a dental office, what would I want? And I think for your team, it's the same thing. Um, hygienists want progressive hygiene opportunities. They want the best of equipment because they put themselves in the position of the chair where the patient is and, and they want the best for them. Mm-hmm. And I think really for assistance, Mike, and I know you have a very strong assisting team, uh, it's even more so for them. So for us, uh, having the team trained on the tech, at least to varying extents, hygienists maybe less so, having them exposed to it and understanding what the benefits are, it's really contributed to a culture of excellence. Okay. And uh, that's worked really effectively for our office. You know, the training, of course, can be um, a bit onerous at times, and I know we'll be discussing that shortly, but but that's my viewpoint on it. Mike, anything to add? No, all you know, actually, only thing I'll add is is uh, the one of the key things I find is that you know we tend to have very little staff turnover, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. Is we try to empower the staff because when you're integrating the technology, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. But when you're training and you're spending the time and effort, and your your team is spending the time and effort, and they've elevated their skill levels, you know. So I have an assistant that you know, is taking digital impressions. I, you know, both all, you know, all my assistants do, but you know, I've got team members that are, are, you know, let's say taking CBCTs, they understand low dose, they're understanding five by five, they're, they're doing scans, they're merging um, implant planning Mm -hmm. software, they're moving things to a 3D printer. If they were to go to a clinic, um, and I'm, you know, again, this is not to do with quality of dentistry, but if they're going to go to a clinic where, they're just basically they're drill and fill and they're suctioning. They're losing a lot of that enjoyment of varying their day and being able to do more advanced things themselves that challenge them. Mm-hmm. And so I think the technology has allowed our team to be challenged and to do things that are just a little bit more fun, doing different things. And instead of just sitting chair side um, has helped my team to be very excited about what we're doing and what we're offering 
but also to be very motivated in their in their jobs, right? Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. Yeah, job satisfaction, if you will. Yeah, it, it works well for growth oriented individuals who want to have some sort of challenge in their work environment, a positive challenge, obviously. Um, you know, dentistry is great, but it can get a little bit redundant. Yeah. Uh, being a dentist has some advantages because if you decide you want to pick up a new skill set, Mike, you can, you know, go take a Botox course, for example, yeah. uh, which 30 years ago, you couldn't do that. <laughs> it was very, very simplistic. And I think for assistants, it's the same thing. Depending on what their dentist is doing, uh, it can get a bit repetitive. When you have the opportunity to work autonomously, especially with technology, designing crowns, uh, merging CBCT data with prime scan data to design an implant, obviously that Mike's going to verify. I think that just brings another exciting component to it, further contributing to team culture. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, as you had mentioned, uh, training can be a bit onerous at times. So maybe, maybe you know, we've talked about all of the glitz and glam and the and the great things about technology, but obviously technology can come with some pitfalls or some challenges at times. So I think maybe it'd be important just to address, you know, some things to look out for. Like what are some challenges that uh, you might face, maybe some glitches within the technology and, and how, how you would uh, handle those? Yeah, well, it's certainly become a lot more simplistic with technology. Like Mike will attest to the fact that pulling out a digital scanner in 2021 and scanning a full mouth is easier and less technique sensitive than taking a PVS impression. So from a training component from that aspect, uh, it's become a bit more streamlined. The biggest challenge that we've had over the years has actually been training assistants to take SLR photography. And there's always a learning curve if we ever, which we rarely do anymore, but in the past we had practicum students, they could never get it right in the time that they were with us. And maybe that's a testament to our poor uh, teaching skills. But that was probably the most challenging aspect. You know, in terms of integrating CBCT or digital impressions or other technology, now that it's a little bit more simplistic and user-friendly, it's just a matter of sort of time and effort uh, and getting that incorporated. And if you already have a technological office, it's not that challenging to add one extra piece. Now, if you don't have a technologically-based office and you're looking to integrate something that can be a bit more onerous because the culture is no longer a progressive, uh, challenging work environment where you're learning new skills. It's This is what we've been doing for this amount of time. We're comfortable with it, and we've accepted some of the limitations and challenges. What I see is that those offices, they don't put a premium on how onerous it is to deliver dentistry with some of the limitations of analog um, procedures. Mm -hmm. And a main one is just impressions. Yep. You know, the new patient exam, you were talking about taking an impression and, you know, maybe getting a mounted articulator and stone models. You know, that's the elite office. Not a lot of people did that 15, 20 years ago, just big restorative offices. But now any office in a minute, a minute and a half can have fully articulated, very accurate digital models of a patient where they can show them anything that they want, any type of dentistry that they're doing. And to me, every single office can incorporate that. Sure. Not everyone should be placing implants or, you know, maybe doing endo or doing smile design, but everyone can do that. So yeah, there's my long-winded answer. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you think about how fast you can do diagnostic models, you know, mount them in ortho um, in literally five minutes. It's... Uh, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. You don't have to wait for stone to set, you know, yeah. and then hope that you didn't break it or have an air bubble. Like it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I would say to to go along with that when they're when they're integrating this technology into a new clinic, 
Um, I think you have to look at it, work with your work with people that and peers and work with your, you know, their your reps and your suppliers and engage sort of a plan, right? You don't need to bring everything in at once, mm, sure. but start centrally. Maybe it's the CBCT or maybe it's the prime scan, you know, or a digital acquisition unit. Start with the digital impressions or start with the CBCT and build from there. And then you can start to build that hub out. You know, do you want to add the ability to mill crowns later? How does that going to work into your workflow? You can't, you know, so I would say you have to look at a timeline and a plan and there's enough experts out there now um, you know, us, you know, there's different, lots of people you can reach out to and say, okay, look, this is my clinic. This is my team. How do I bring this all together? And I would say you need to have a plan and you need to do it in a stepwise fashion, but start centrally, start with either the CBCT or the digital impression unit and then start to branch out from there. Yeah. Baby step it, if you will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's easy to integrate exciting technology. Yeah. You know, if you're integrating a new, um, dental management software, for example, <laughs> it's less exciting. But if you're an analog practice and you're getting rid of your impression material, that is something that even the front desk can get behind, especially, you know, Anthony, you do training on this. You give a prime scan scanner to a receptionist and how easy it is for them to scan. It's a powerful tool for them. Yeah, it and, and it does build a lot of positivity and excitement. There's other, uh, piece of equipment that are a little bit more onerous. Uh, you know, Mike's rotary endo system didn't generate nearly the amount of positivity <laughs> when he introduced that to the office. Uh, I, just a, a random question that I just thought off the top of my head. If I took away, if I, if there's one piece of technology in your clinic, you could not do without, what would it be? Yeah, it's a prime uh, scan for me. That's not, scan. not even a question. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Yeah. yeah and okay. we do digital anesthetic uh, systems, heart tissue laser, which I would have said probably four or five years ago, the heart tissue laser. There's no way now. The prime scan is just such a central part of, a, of what we do. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, move on, I guess, uh, the last few minutes here to really some of the most important pieces. I mean, you've got the technology. You're using it now. So uh, let's talk a bit about treatment presentation and case acceptance. And I know, uh, Mike, you, uh, you're really uh, involved with the implant uh, cases and, and, uh, and you have a, an entire protocol, what I call uh, a single visit implant placement protocol. I think you have a different term for it, but uh, maybe you can walk us through uh, what you're doing in regard to implants and how you're so successful with it. Yeah, so, so our, our terminology is digital implant case presentation trademarked. And uh, so what we're doing, uh, first of all, let me just say, if, if you take it back to the new patient exam, we're already doing treatment presentation and acceptance right at the new patient exam because we're, we're, we're showing the patient. And so we're, we're not going off into some dark room looking at x-rays and, and writing down all the diagnosed cavities and then um, having them come back a week later for a, a case presentation and you know we're showing them these x-rays that they don't know what they're looking at we're actually doing it co-discovery way mm -hmm. and that's what the basis of treatment acceptance in my mind is is because you know if if somebody sees that you're going to be doing a filling um, and you can show them a picture of the cavity and show them a picture of the filling after it's way more powerful for you know for the patient to be able to see what you did mm -hmm. right so the same thing goes with everything we do um, now with implants, 
The beauty about the implant planning system, and I'll, I'll go through it really quick because we, we do lectures on this and we did a podcast on this, but it's basically that we're treatment planning the implant in front of the patient and we can do that in about 15 minutes. So it's patient comes in, uh, we take a, a usually a five by five of the missing tooth. Um, so a CBCT five by five, uh, low dose of the missing tooth. Um, assistant will do the, the prime scan of that quadrant. Often she'll take the opposing arch just so with the design of the tooth, we know the occlusion of that, of that proposed tooth. Um, and right away the, the, it populates a proposed tooth. We then will take those files, we'll merge them into the CCAT implant software. And that all is like literally six to seven minutes. And now I'm sitting in front of the patient and we're talking to them about placing the implant. So now we can talk about the nerve, we can talk about the sinus, we can talk about the position, the type of implant, um, the diameter, all that, all that. And then um, we can say to them now when they then say, okay, so I can get an implant. Yeah. We're like, yeah, you have enough bone. We don't need to do anything pre prosthetically. We know where the soft tissue is. We, we know if we've got to do any, how many stages it's going to be. If it's going to be an immediate extraction implant, we know all of those things and we can talk to them about that. And so then they say, well, when can we do this? And literally if we don't have to do anything pre prosthetically or pre surgically to augment bone or, or graft, it takes us 45 minutes to make the surgical guide. So I say anytime after 45 minutes. And it's pretty powerful that we can deliver from consult to placement in one hour. So somebody could come from out of town and you literally could plan and, and do a surgical guided implant placement in one hour. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then that placement implant takes about 10 minutes uh, when you have the guide. So literally an hour and a half, a new patient could walk in and you can have they could walk out with an implant placed. Um, which, which again, obviously you freehanded, you know, I'm not going to argue somebody could numb somebody and place an implant, but guided to be able to do that in an hour and a half is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a super, like, I remember the first time that you told me about that, like the, the specific steps and the protocol that to use, I was, I was blown away. I was like, you know, I've known this capability of the technology, but to see it so seamlessly integrated into practice, I thought it was super, super slick. So that's why I wanted you to touch on it because I think it's yep. a real powerful workflow. If you're looking at getting into technology, you know, um, maybe you're referring implants out today. I think it's a very safe and predictable way yeah. to, to place implants, at least the simple ones in the practice today with technology. Yeah. Well, that was my journey, exactly what you just uh, mentioned, Anthony. And, you know, I'll just expand on what Mike said so patient comes in for a new patient exam or a consult we are then required to take some records in order for us to get a professional opinion as to what needs to be done so that's in this case the cbct and the uh, intraoral scan we now have to uh, provide the patient with some treatment options and go through informed consent and as we're looking at the cbct and looking at where the implant goes it's happening simultaneously so you're getting informed consent, you're asking questions, they can now see the end result to it. So the obtaining of the data and the records, simultaneously we're presenting it while also going through the co-discovery process. So Mike's deciding whether this person is a great candidate for an implant or needs uh, augmented procedures at the same time as he's showing it to this patient. So it's just like, yeah, you don't have enough bone here, you need a bone graft or you only need a sinus bump or sinus lift. That to me is really, really powerful and it's new. That's not the way dentistry was done before. Mm -hmm. Before it was done, you get the records, you know, you take more records, patient goes away, you get those records poured up in stone or finalized. 
you sit on a Friday afternoon and, and do a case presentation on your own, have the patient come back and present the case. Uh, this is just a much more seamless, simplistic approach. And uh, how has the patient response been to to that uh, process? You know, like uh, typically patients are blown away or they just say, well, that's nice. Or what's their, what's their typical reaction? Oddly enough, I'm still, we're, we're, I think I've been doing this process, this exact digital implant case presentation, trademark. Um, I've been doing it now for about three years. And I'll be honest, we have 100%. Wow. Really? Um, yeah. So Impressive. like I said, I'm wow. still knock okay. on wood. Yeah. Um, but every every case that's come in, and now now understand that I do get a lot of referrals and, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and that. But every patient that's walked through the door that we've gone through this system with has gone ahead uh, and had the implant placed. There's been cases like, you know, we had, you know, just uh, we had a patient come in where there is no bone and they had an infection from an adjacent teeth, uh, adjacent tooth, sorry. Um, and so it, it's not an implant case at this point. Um, but she was on board for whatever we're doing and she still has stayed on as a patient and she's getting a root canal done on the, you know. So I'm just saying every patient that's come in has stuck with the process. And if an implant is doable, um, it, we so far are still at 100%. Wow, that's, that's extremely impressive. It's con- it's just confidence inspiring for a patient though, especially when you can see the end result. Like if we're consumers looking for something and you are going for a consultation or a second opinion or whatever it might be, and someone's describing the end result to you, you have to have confidence in them and enough vision to understand what that end result is to see what the end point is. But if you're in a scenario where you can physically actually see the end result predictably, that confidence level is exactly where you want it to be. So it's really easy to make that decision, I think, at that point. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I guess um, the last thing I was uh, really thinking about was, uh, Michelle, you do a lot of clear liners. I mean, I think uh, I could be wrong, but it seems like you do more clear liners. Mike does more implants. I could be wrong in that, but um, sure smile. You know, I know uh, you big Invisalign fans, but you've slowly drifted over to sure smile or doing a lot of sure smile. So maybe you can talk a bit about, you know, how uh, that conversion went for you from Invisalign to SureSmile. Uh, obviously, you're probably still offering both, but you know the conversion over the SureSmile, what that looked like, how it compares to the the competition, and all of that. So we actually uh, don't offer both. One of the things, and and as you know, I've got a presentation uh, next week where I'll be touching base on this. Is essentially patients are looking for an end result. Uh, they're not looking for an Astra versus a Nobel BioCare implant. They're just looking to restore their tooth. So the transition for us, Anthony, obviously was related to a lot of the Densplastorone equipment that we have. The ability to combine a digital impression with CBCT technology is just beyond what Invisalign can currently offer right now. Uh, and Invisalign, which has been great for my practice, a lot of the patents, of course, have expired. So you have a really comparable product probably with better behind the scenes software and technology with SureSmile um, and Orometrics. So uh, for us, essentially, we're discussing the end result. Why do you need clear liner therapy? How is this gonna benefit you? What are the issues if we don't proceed with it? What are all of the annoyances and challenges of going through it? And we're discussing an end result and we do not get into the conversation as to what aligners we're gonna be utilizing and I will tell you it's never come up. In fact, uh, yesterday we had, we call them diagnostic revals. So they're basically uh, new patient exams on long-standing patients of ours. This gentleman had, um, Invisalign 2006, 2005 with an orthodontist here in the city. He's had some relapse. He's asked to have 
the relapse corrected. He's noticing inward tilt, some crowding issues, and he wants to proceed with it. So he was all for it yesterday. And you know what? We're going to do it in sure smile. And I'm, I'm, we're not even going to have the conversation about what the product is, et cetera. And, and, you know, obviously, if he asks about it, full disclosure, we'll talk about some of the benefits. Uh, the benefits being less refinements. Uh, I do like the attachment template better. I like how you can customize where the aligners are trimmed and how that works. I, I much prefer that. Uh, for anyone looking to switch, there's an adaptation. It's different software for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about switching your uh, dental practice management software. <laughs> it's probably similar to that is switching from, you know, Dentrix to ClearDent. They do the same thing, but there's some frustrations with switching from what you're accustomed to. Of course. So I've been really happy with it. It's just such a great practice builder for us. And it's one of the things when I look back on post-ortho, clearline or ortho cases five, six years later, and you see just the overall health improvement from a better bite, less wear, better gum health, less gingival inflammation uh, underneath that, you know, it, it's it's rewarding. Uh, pretty clearly, I need more hobbies in my personal life, but, uh, you know, it is. And it's, it's something that, that as a dentist, it's really, really gratifying. Um, and then obviously with SureSmile, there's less of a cost barrier as well. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And Mike, your experience? Um, so yeah, I've, I'm in the same boat. Um, you know, we're, we're using it on all of our patients. And the primary reason, just to, to be clear why I'm using SureSmile more, um, there's several of them, but one of the big ones is it, it's seamless with the ortho software. Mm-hmm. So we use the ortho software because when we're, when we're using the ortho software, it populates a full report. So if we're sending it to insurance or we're sending it, it gives us all the data in a nice re- two page report. Um, that we can send off to the insurance company. It also, we can use that information and transfer it straight. So we don't have to refill in all the boxes. The other thing I like about it is that it merges with my CBCT. Mm-hmm. So now if we're, we can actually have, have an assessment of where the root forms are going to go. And so that's one thing I think always was a missing with Invisalign and aligner therapy is not really taking into account root position mm-hmm. and where the roots are going. And so most of the time when you look at your patients, if you start, when you start using CBCTs, you start realizing that how many people's roots are actually sitting into the buccal plane and have very little bone over them. And so when you start seeing that, you start to realize that how you've got to be moving these teeth or limitations on how you can move the teeth in order not to get burnout um, or recession. Because if you're going to tilt the teeth towards where you have thin bone, you're going to end up recession. So I think the the cool thing is sure smiles allowed me to I think to treatment plan better. And also it merges with my current acquisition unit better. And so and we've enjoyed it. And the last thing I'll say that I really like is I like that I have full control. Okay, I like that I can just order a couple of trays. I like that I can order. Um, I like that I can order models. I like that I can order just STL files and 3D print and do it myself. I like that I can actually do the whole case myself from start to finish. I can actually um, move the teeth myself and and you know and do the whole case without sending it anywhere. I can do it all myself within the software. So it gives me the whole all the control. So if you're a control freak. And you want to be able to have all the different options of the way you want to do it. Then I like that. That's what I like about SureSmile. With Invisalign, you're basically sending it either for an express case or a full case or a guided case. That's it. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, you and you can implement digital technology and you can implement 3D printing. So that's that's my uh, SureSmile I, summary. And I would yeah. say it's safe to say that with all the technology, both of you have you like control. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, well, it just just the control of the outcome. Yeah. And obviously, cost is a factor in everything you do. So if it's limited ortho, you can print those uh, models and uh, do the suck down within the office. So no, I, it's an exciting product. And I'm excited to see where it goes in the future for sure. Awesome. I'm happy to hear the experience has been really good so far. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I that's that's all I have. I, I wanted to thank you guys for like, giving me the opportunity to to kind of interview you. I hope you found it valuable as well. But I think, you know, uh, your listeners will find a lot of this information super valuable and talk about integrating technology into the practice. I guess for final what final thoughts, like, you know, any any final thoughts from either of you? You know, the technological integration, of course, can be um, overwhelming. If you look at all the things that a technologically advanced office has, you can't integrate all that stuff at once. For Mike, it's going to be 12 years of educational journey to get to that point. And there's a lot of trials and tribulations with some of the older technology. You know, one of the things about most of the new technology is that we're now into multiple generations in. So a lot of the challenges or the kinks that uh, early adopters had to undergo, that's all behind behind us. And so I don't really think it matters what your dental office is, whether you're a prosthodontist, whether you're a general dentist, you know, digital impressions is something that we can all get behind. It makes our practice uh, much more, uh, it flows more effectively. And I think it just builds on the culture. So. To me, if, if someone is looking at integrating something, they want to change the level of dentistry they're doing, they want to add some excitement to their practice, they want a piece of de- technology to build around, to me, that's the, the focal point because it's easy to integrate and it has so many applications. Um, that would be sort of my uh, my two cents. And a shameless plug for your event next week. Which yeah. is uh, next <laughs> Thursday. Uh, you can uh, visit it on uh, Digital Workflow Dentistry or Dentsply Serona to sign up for that link. And uh, my uh, staff tells me I have a personality for Zoom. I don't know what that means, but it'll be a Zoom presentation. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, thanks, Anthony, for having um, for coming in and, and, and quizzing us on what we do. I appreciate it. Now, uh, my final thoughts are with technology and integration is you definitely can do it in a stepwise fashion. Um, I would definitely go and talk to people that you know that have the the technology, go in, observe, um, learn about it, learn what they're doing, learn how they're doing things differently. We talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you want to go back and watch all the podcasts several times (laughs) over. That's just normal. You know, that's what everybody's doing. But, you know, the the cool thing is, you know, I'm thinking back to a question you asked at the beginning, like, what would you do different and and things like that? I think I would just be, I'd be 15 years younger. Um, That's what (laughs) I would do different because right now, um, you're getting, if you're getting in the game now, like I would, I had the red cam, you know, so it's gone red cam, blue cam, Omnicam, prime scan, right? Wow. So, I mean, I've been through all the generations and if you think about that, um, yes, there's been learning curves and there's been great things and there's been, you know, patients love the one appointment crowns, right? But now it's so cool because for somebody getting into it, um, there's a lot of workarounds and a lot of different things that we have to do when we advanced our procedures. For example, even doing surgical guides um, was a bit of a workaround in some of the older generations. Mm-hmm. Now, the software just prompts you. It's in, out, export, import. It's so fast. So I think for the younger dentists out there, the time to get into technology is now. And the learning curve is way less. And you can be you know, doing this stuff 
right now. So I think, you know, it's an exciting time where what we've been pushing on for, you know, for 15 years of, of our, of, of our journey, um, somebody can get into right away and the, and the time is now, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you sharing your, uh, your expertise and your knowledge. I think it's, uh, it was, it was a great session. Yeah, Anthony, thanks for the questions. It was a great session. Um, the seat's getting a little bit warm here, so I think our hot seat time is done. Uh, thank you, everyone. To uh, those of you who are listening, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and visit our website, uh, digitalworkflowdentist.com. And uh, Mike, we'll see you soon. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Take care, everybody.